Hey guys, welcome to episode 172 of the JV Club with my guest, Lisa Kate David. I am uh, sitting in my car, pulled over on the side of the road on my way back from a uh, television set. Brag alert. Um, and uh, I gotta get this over to Katie. I can't believe what a, a crazy, um, busy day it was. And I uh, apologize if the sound quality isn't up to snuff. But I did want to get some uh, shout outs in there today. Uh, I wanted to thank Megan, Grant, Declan, Joseph, and Liza for your emails. I am still behind on shout outs, guys, but I have been responding to most of you and giving you my thanks uh, via email as well. And um, and uh, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it's a pretty remarkable series of stories uh, from a very remarkable and strong woman. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's a pretty pretty fantastic, um, upsetting, interesting, uh, inspiring story. So I will talk to you guys soon and hope everyone's doing great. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. I wanted to reassure you not to, I mean, I literally just use the words, don't worry if you have to pee or if I have to pee, we're just going to stop it. <laughs> and you very thoughtfully said, I won't worry. And then as I was pressing record, the first thing that popped into my mind was those are the wonderful moments where you realize when someone has gone through more than the average person recently <laughs> to say something like, listen, I, what I don't want you to worry about with everything you've gone through is whether you have to pee or not, whether we can stop the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably it, at the top of the it, list. It is. It yeah. is. It yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Absolutely. Now I'm you're like a three here. a three person name that do people just say like now listen Lisa Kate David I need to <laughs> I've always had three person names my three person name used to be a little different uh-huh. um, and then after I got part of my three person name out of <laughs> it's it's a new three person like so name obscure, so I've always so been used to having yeah. three person names yeah. yeah. So and Lisa when, Kate David was the three person name I was born with. Okay. And but do yeah. but, but, but I should say because we don't know each other. Yes. I should I do you want me to call you Lisa K. David, Lisa Kate, or I Lisa? always like having all my three names used. Okay, great. <laughs> it makes me feel really great. important. And and that you have a very crisp identity <laughs> that no one dare no one's exactly. gonna confuse you for Wait, I just have to tell you something funny. So my my cousin was a kindergarten teacher and she actually had a student whose first name was Al Pacino. Oh no. Yeah, Al Pacino. And the mother, like, she would call him Al in kindergarten, and the mother's like, his name is Al Pacino. Like, you always have to call him Al Pacino. Where was this? Where is this? This was in New York. I can't remember where. If you had told me it was on the West Coast, I would have peed my pants with shock and surprise. (laughs) Only on the East Coast. Al Pacino. And I think his middle name was like Carlito, like from Carlito's Way. Listen, I know. major shout out to <laughs> Al Pacino. Al that Pacino, who's probably now in fourth grade. Oh, God, little Al Pacino. I know, little... He must be... At what point, <laughs> how quickly did he come to hate his own name, do you think, if you had to guess? I, I don't know. I don't know if he knows who Al Pacino is. I yeah. think he just thinks, hey, That's, my I name is Al Pacino. there are movies that you see. Unless, unless he has like a poster of Scarface in his room. <laughs> It's like the Backstreet Boys the, just and Scarface. all the things that are horrifying that Al Pacino's done. That is, 
bananas. <laughs> anyway, I just thought of that. No, no, I'm no. Like, I'm, I'm like very Lisa glad Kate you David brought a little he's like Al Pacino. Yeah. Well, you can call me Janet Varney. I like that. You can call me JV. Some people call me that. I like that. It sounds like a venereal disease, but I won't. Yeah. (laughs) My whole name? No, just the JV. But you know what? My mom doesn't have a middle name and her her, um, initials are VD. Oh, see, that's why you have that in your that, head. I think that's why I have it in my yeah. head. Yeah, because most people just think junior no, varsity. No, <laughs> you don't remind me of a venereal disease. Thank you disease. so much. You're God, <laughs> if I could have hoped that you would reassure me of something, in the same way I didn't want you to worry, I am glad they reassured me that my, I don't remind you of a venereal disease. That's a huge relief. I'm here for you. What a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> what a weight off my shoulders. Um, do, you said your cousin's in New York. Is that where you're from? My cousin's in New York. Yeah, New York originally and then moved out here and grew up kind of in both places. Oh, okay. We well, went uh, to school at UC Irvine. Okay. Well, did you go theater. to high school? Were you in high school all the way up in, in uh, New York? No, and then I, I, I left in fifth grade and then came here, which was a huge culture shock. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so you were here the entire time after fifth after grade. After fifth grade, okay. yeah. But you yeah. did decide to go to UC Irvine, so you must have adjusted by then. I did, you know, I didn't get into other schools that I had wanted okay, to go into. Right. So, I mean... Irvine was my first choice. Oh, good. Yeah, it really was. Uh, your first and... Wait. Uh, only choice. Your first... <laughs> my first and only choice was UC Irvine. Okay. So when you say you applied to other schools, they may have at one point been a priority for you. I think they really wanted they... me. I think they just were... I don't know. They didn't want to show the love too much. Yeah. They didn't oh, want my ego I to get too big. when colleges play hard to get. They play, they're playing hard to get. It. Yeah. Uh, you see, what what did you study at UC Irvine? Drama. Okay, that's a decent school for. It is. They like do. Most they, they universities yeah, in this area kind of have, have to get like their shit together. They have like a good drama and, yeah. program. Yeah. So I hear. No, uh-huh. <laughs> no, no oh, they do. UC they really do. Irvine. I'm kid. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. This is what I know about UC Irvine. I've uh, perf- been to or performed at a comedy club there that is next to maybe a Dave and Buster's. Oh yeah, There's yeah. Like they don't that have sort David of corporate. David. It's very little it's, spot. There. Well, I was I was drinking and um, doing a lot of things when I was in college, uh-huh. so that didn't bother. I got sober when I was twenty one, so that oh, didn't. Good. Interesting. Yeah, we have a similar. Uh, Are we both friends of Bill's trajectory? I'm not a friend of Bill, uh, but I did a lot of. Are you a friend of his wife? I'm not a friend of his. <laughs> oh boy, now it's getting confusing. Lois, uh, is that another thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm only inside enough to know a friend of Bill. Damn it. Um, who's Lois? I don't Lois know is. I think that's her name. I'd be really embarrassed. Uh-huh. Is that if it's oh, not? The, oh, so that is a real thing. It's part but of the it's big not. book. Okay. But I haven't oh. read the big book in a while, so I'll yeah. be kind of embarrassed if I don't know. Um, Lois. I should know, but I think Lois is. Lois stands for something in the same way that Bill does, but something well, different. Well, Lois is his is wife, like, but Lois yeah. started. So, so Bill started Alcoholics Anonymous, and yeah. Lois started um, Al-Anon. Oh, for people okay. who are married to alcoholics. She started that. Like, I didn't. I guess yeah. I didn't ever hear that. Yeah. And I've been to an Al-Anon meeting or two with friends. Uh, and uh, oh, really? I, I never with heard friends? Lois <laughs> mentioned. Yeah, to be honest, it was. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, what do you think of all the, do you know this, all this controversy, not controversy, but like some of the criticism that's come out fairly recently about this, the program? Do you? I don't. I try to um, watch as little news as possible and, and stay as disconnected I know, I as I too. can because it really gets me too. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I, I think that what I've discovered is because I worked, these guys know I worked um, 
for about half a year at Huffington Post when they did a, oh. a, a they started a, a network. Uh-huh. And so I was a host on there and I was absorbing news constantly. And it was the most, it was like when, uh, uh, a bunch of child murders took place, right? Uh. Same point. Then there was the hurricane. Um, then there was the re-election. So I, we were covering, uh, there were, there was the Denver, uh, Batman shooting. Oh God, like, everything. everything. That was a very intense year, 2013, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, and I was wrecked by yeah, it. And that's I, one of the reasons I was like, I can't continue to do this because this is exactly what I thought would happen to me happened, happened which to is, you. well, now I know that uh, there's a reason that I try to, so if you have someone in your life who can be the news filter for you. Where you know they John just Stewart, like, used to, I could stomach it when yeah. you know John Stewart was on, but then when I when I went through the five or six really difficult years that I went through, yeah. I I couldn't even I didn't even watch the Daily Show. I yeah. was like, you just didn't need any. I, I just more I was like, you into I that just place. need to keep my shit together as well as I can, and I yeah. can't have any. Everything on the inside was too intense, so yes. I couldn't have anything else on the outside. Absolutely. Well, I, I like this uh, buildup of suspense um, <laughs> for anyone who isn't familiar with what uh, some of the stuff that you're referring to is. But um, do you want to... Uh, sure. I, I wanna, I'm going to get more into your teen years as well, but I think sure. um, rather than uh, tease it out any longer for my sweet, sweet listeners who are probably like, now what is what is this? Uh, why don't you, why don't you um, extrapolate, or not extrapolate, uh, expound a little bit on... Uh, well, on yeah, in a nut shell um there's so much so it's kind of funny to say so much in, that you should be nutshell, doing a show about it and are and are called dating in la with no nipples um but it ended up having nothing to do with breasts that was like yeah, an expression an inside joke of yours <laughs> exactly yeah um so uh in in 2008 in october of 2008 i um i uh, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I found child porn on my Mother then fuck. husband's computer. And How I long had, had you been married? Uh, we'd been together for over a decade. Yeah. And I had a nine-month-old daughter at the time. And I wasn't looking for anything. Yeah. I was actually going online to look at Halloween costumes. And I was I was just typing in a couple things. And uh, from the history, a site came up called Daddy's Little Girl. Oh, no. And I looked at it, and it was an incest site. Oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty bad. What, what do you do with that? I... <laughs> like, how... I mean, if you don't mind. No, not at it, all, not at all. Um, you know, I've had a couple of guests on who have had betrayals that were large, but not as emotionally shocking. No, I nothing. Think. You know, like, that's really the, I'm trying it's to the think lowest of what, of the a, low. yeah, what it else really, there, It really is. I mean, was there any part of you that was like, Oh, or was I it saw just, it coming? Yeah, no, I mean, no, no, I don't no, know how you see no. that coming. You but. don't. I'm, I mean, there were certain things. Um, I knew he was addicted to porn. You know, adult porn, but right. kind of who isn't? Right, <laughs> right, right. Like so that's many thing, guys like adult thing porn. In this day and age, that, people that just line, sort of you know, make it's so accessible. For, yeah, and it's um, and uh, but you knew he was addicted in the sense that he was adult. He was adult. Con- porn, he was watching, watching a lot certain things, but like, adults, yeah. yeah. adults. And this was I'm not even talking a Lolita yeah. site. Yeah. Not that Lolita yeah. sites are okay, but this was you know four and right. five year old right. little girls, and it was an incest site. Oh so I flipped out. He was at work. I called him. 
on the phone and I'm like, what the fuck is on our computer? God, that feeling, it's, it's a visceral feeling of I can't, this can't wait. I can't no, do no. anything well, but like you just, bullet myself to yeah, the source. And, and I was so hoping he was going to like, I was so hoping he was going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know? Or like, like, I looked at it as a joke for this. Well, uh, well, he said, he said, I, you know, I swear I only looked at it once, but he knew what I was talking about. And right. I said, I don't care if it's only once it's child porn. Right. So basically I said, you need to th- see a therapist right away uh, that specializes in things like this. And if I ever see this on the computer again, I'm kicking you out of the house and calling the police. So, um, and did you just immediately feel for you? Was it like a sort of wall came down in terms of your intimacy with him? Because you guys oh, had just ab- had absolutely, this kid, and like, absolutely. That's a re- that's so hard I, too I mean, when you find some when something changes your whole scope. Well, of what, everything who that like person. my scope was, you know, at that point, it's so funny. I was on the pill forever, and I and I just I always knew I wanted kids, but it never felt like the right time, yeah. and. I was like, I'm, and I was in the middle at the time with the development deal with Fox with a sh- one woman show I did that I wrote and created that we had a development deal with. And then I got pregnant and then I was going to wait till after that. And I actually had a discussion with my husband, like, you'll be the stay at home dad, yeah. you know, you'll do this because, you know, you never know when this kind of stuff happens and when it doesn't. And I yeah. want to take advantage of it. Yeah. So it was, I had just had that discussion on him and, and, and I, you know, Nothing, uh, it's a feeling that it's completely indescribable. It's just completely indescribable. And as much as I wanted to believe it was only once, and even if I could believe it was only once, which I really wanted to do at first, it's child porn. So once is not okay. Like it's child porn. So he started seeing a therapist that specialized in deviant sex practices. And I started seeing someone who worked in conjunction with her. May I ask this? Mm-hmm. Did you tell anyone else? Like, were you able to confide so in this friends? Because that's the other was, thing. Yeah. Is like, you don't know well, if it's going to get better. Does that mean you shouldn't exactly, have brought it up? Because then you're exactly, going to be Exactly, exactly. So yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what was super hard about it. It's because I... You know, it's like, I so wanted to believe I just had a baby. I wanted my baby girl to grow up at home with a mommy and a daddy. Yeah. My biggest fear... And you, was, as far as you knew, that was that exactly was what was going to happen. And my biggest fear when I was a kid, my parents separated for a while, but they never told me, but you know, you know what's going on, sure. was that they would get divorced. And that was always my biggest fear was like, divorce, divorce, divorce. And, sure. and, and so when I was going to have a baby, I was like, I never want to get divorced. I always want to work on my problems. And, and I wanted to, you know, I just had this idea yeah. of what a family should be and what I wanted for my daughter. So at first when I saw it and I saw the the therapist for the first time that worked with his therapist, I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, do I, do I leave him? But I don't want to be a single mom. And yeah. is it, was it only once, but it still isn't okay if it was only once. Is it, am I overreacting? Everybody right. thinks he's such a good guy. Is it, is was like, there the kind of question of like, did that, did you find yourself bringing to, the surface things that you like, did you look for other things in your relationship to justify also the feeling of like, well, if I have to get used to the idea that maybe this isn't going to work out, I can f- look at this, this and this, which have nothing to do with this one well, thing. Cause I that's always, what we do with relationships well, do you too. Know what it's it like, was? 
I met him very shortly after I got sober. I got mm-hmm. sober after I was 21. Okay? So very vulnerable. Very, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He was a daily pot smoker, probably bipolar, mm-hmm. but he was a really talented musician. So I decided to overlook those things. I mean, you're, t- you you're sitting you're in, in a city where, too, I mean, like, know? this is a city of how many, like, what's okay and what is artistry and, like, what is, and potential. how do you manage a, your it's, apps it's, and potential? It's based Absolutely. on people's potential. Absolutely. And when you're in your early 20s, you're like, well, he's going to change. I'm totally right. going to change him. I mean, I'm sober. He's going to stop smoking pot. And, and that can be tricky, too, when yeah. you've gone through a program like that, is that you, because some people believe that change is impossible, but if you yourself have gone through that change, right. you're more forgiving right. and more accepting of the idea of like, of well, I did it. Changing. I have to accept the idea that you could. And and the fact that he was probably bipolar, it's like you you just, you know, it's kind of like, that abuse is abusive in a different way, but they could be so awful, but then they'll be so great and bring you flowers or something. Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps you there. And like he would ruin like every major holiday because he would get really depressed or start yelling mm-hmm. at me. But then the next day he'd be so apologetic. So, so there was a part of me, even when I hit 30, that was like, I always knew if I was older, I never would have married him. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, but I am married He's not a bad person. Everyone has their issues. And there were a few points in our relationship where I did think, like, before I got pregnant, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. And I actually told him, I think we should split. And then he'd start crying and tell me I'm only looking for perfection. And, you know, and then That's I believed very, it. It's I believed all so, it. nothing is black and white no, in nothing. that way. So then I and believed so, it. I because was you like, can, it's, you can right. put in the, at each column. It's like, you could find enough reasons at any time to end a marriage. You can find yes. enough reasons at any time to stay in a marriage. Sometimes the reasons, those reasons are weirdly the same. Yes. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, exactly. So I kind of, there were certain things I overlooked. And, and then certain things, I think at a certain point, I just kind of shut down to, mm-hmm. you know, quite honestly, I shut down to nothing like I found, of course, you know, of course. but, um, so yeah. So I, I said, you know, I just had a baby. Like I don't want to be a single mom. That wasn't my intent was to be a single mom, yeah. you know? And she, she gave me some really good advice that another friend of mine gave me. She basically said I was in shock and she said, what I suggest and this is something they say in AA too, is not to make any big decisions sure. in the midst of chaos. Sure, sure, sure. And Fair. trust that more will be revealed. Yeah. She's like, you're in shock. Yeah. So. That's good advice. And then I talked to, there were there were three people I talked to, um, three, three of my really close friends. Good. And one I'm of them. I'm glad that you could. You my know? friend Jason, who I told, I said, um, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I this? Do I that? Is my daughter in danger? Is, like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Am I overreacting? He told me, he said, put on your calendar a year from today. And if you don't know what to do by then, then you have to make a decision. But trust me, like, he goes, I bet things are going to come to you. So Mm -hmm. I did. I marked the calendar a year from today. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I thought, maybe we can work this out, there was something in my gut that's like, you can't work it out. You can't work it out. Even if it's only once, you can't work it out. And the funny thing was, see, I started realizing I was married to a real sociopath. Hmm. And the mm. thing about sociopaths is they don't feel remorse. Right. So it's very hard to catch them in the lie. Yeah. Extremely hard. Like if I were to ever cheat on somebody, it's like, I wouldn't be able to look them in the eye. Yeah. I, feel I know so I'm so guilty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what? You yeah. know? I feel so guilty. I'd end up blurting it out. Like yeah, yeah. he was able to, to do some awful things, like more things I ended up realizing mm-hmm. where I'm like, who am I? Who am I married to? You know? So... And then the thing that was interesting about him, too, was once the light was shown, you'd think after something like this is found out, you would be 
kissing the other person's ass and being like, I'm going to be so good now. I'm going to do. And he became like, it's almost like once the light was shown, he felt like, fuck it. I don't have to hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. So he became even more of an asshole, which, which was, was a sort of a favor to you. It, I'm sure, it was, but it was run, so how fucked up. surprising. Yeah. Like, like, well also like how does that i mean that all of this stuff plays into like we're not even really talking about like how this kind of stuff affects our own personal self-confidence it's like am i not important enough to you to i mean how even if you for me even if i'm contemptuous of someone who's done something that i'm shocked by or i don't approve of if it's someone i've cared for or loved i guess for me personally and you can tell me if you agree i still would have been like are Wait, does this not even matter to you enough that you, you're well, not kissing my ass? Like, well, hey. I felt like, I, I remember like, even when I wanted to believe it was only once and I didn't know anything more, like, I would go up to him and I'd be like, okay, please help me. Like, I'm really trying to understand this. Like, I know you said it's only once, but it's, it's kids. Why like, how once? can it be how? only once? How? And yeah. honestly, he just like looked at me and he's like, I guess I'm not getting laid soon. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, he he just it, it's like I felt like he kept thinking he was doing me a favor. like, doing, look, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm in therapy. Like, what do you want from me? Right. You know, like he was doing me such a big favor. And I started realizing, like, who is this person? Right. And then. Um, oh, God. And it was so funny. I mean, they're so deceptive. So. This was around the holidays, okay? So I found Perfect. it in October. His favorite time of year, if memory serves. <laughs> exactly. And it was, it was the most surreal thing. It was so surreal. My life became so surreal. I remember he's like, we got to take a picture of the family to send out as like, you know, happy holidays. We're like a happy family. And I said, can't we just take a picture of our daughter and send that out? Like, why sure. does it need to be of all three sure, sure, of us? Sure. And he's like, because we're a happy family and this is what we need to do. So I remember like we went out in the backyard and he bought these two poinsettias and he put them around oh, us. No. And I just remember thinking like, well, it's so funny the things that come out of your mouth because I'm Jewish and he wasn't Jewish. So I'm like, I don't think poinsettias are really Jewish. <laughs> and, Fair. And he's Fair. like, and he's like, Lisa, don't you know poinsettias are non-denominational? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. But I was like, oh my God, I'm taking a picture with a pedophile. How surreal. But How I'm like, surreal. but I'm talking about poinsettias. It's like your, yeah. your mind just, and then it was so funny. I remember it's like, it's like you try to create a sense of normalcy in, mm-hmm. in a situation that's not normal. Mm-hmm. So we would have these conversations like, I'm trying to understand, how can you do this? How can you, you know, child porn, I don't understand, I don't understand it, you know, and then we'd realize nothing would be resolved and it's like, let's just go watch The Daily Show together, you know, because that's what we did. Right. You know, it's like, you want to try to create normalcy in a situation that's completely not normal. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the more stuff started getting revealed. So in January, he came home one day and he left a piece of paper on the kitchen counter it's, it's, it's actually comical. Yeah. And there were three circles. And in the inner circle, it had like, like uh, an inner circle and two outer circles. In the inner circle, it had child porn, Craigslist, erotic massage. What? Yeah. In an inner circle. So I, I come home, I see it on the kitchen counter and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's something my therapist wanted me to write. You weren't supposed to see it yet. And I'm like, 
I guess you shouldn't have left it on the kitchen counter. Yeah. And like, I saw it. I want to know what it means. And yeah. he said, well, the things in the inner circle are things I'm not supposed to do. So you know about the child porn, but there's a couple things you don't know about. Like, I've been having some online interactions on Craigslist. And when you were working in New York a few years ago, I started getting erotic massages from transsexuals. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I seriously I was... I, I, I didn't even know what to say. And yeah. I'm like, okay, was your dick in their ass? You know, do I need to be concerned? Yeah. And he's like, no, it wasn't in their ass. But I was like, oh my God, like, who, who is this man? Yeah. Like, who is this? And I remember I said to my friend, I'm like, you know, your life is really bad when the fact that your husband is screwing transsexuals is the good part. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, my life got really low because on a normal day, the fact that he was screwing transsexuals might really piss me off. Right. But now it's like, ah, screwing transsexuals, left the toilet seat up. Yeah. Oh, it was like God. nothing. Oh. And I was like, what happened? To be that desensitized. What to happened surprises? to my life? Because nothing could trump the child porn. Nothing could trump the child yeah. porn. I was like, wow, this is how bad my life has gotten. Yeah. And I, I, well, I don't want to push this. I just want to sure, ask because... Sure. Um, because of the part of me that's weirdly PC about transsexuals. First of all, it was not at a time when that was something that we were oh, all talking about. Well, for, but was it more just about the fact that it was a prostitute or that there was that or look, sex act? Or I, have, just I the, have no uh, problem discomfort. with transsexuals. Yeah. I just don't want my husband's penis yes. in their ass. Absolutely. And then absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, I have no problems with transsexuals. Yeah. I have no problem. But I've, if it had been, I'm just saying that's what know. it happened to be. But if it had been gay, if it had been I, boys, if it been, been women yeah, like in any case you know it's, there's I just don't a want potential stick for you in to get abs, jv you know? we don't want you to get a venereal disease like i'm named after i don't want any jv uh, <laughs> in my body no but I, anyway i just wanted to throw that out no, there because there was not. a time in which that meant something that i don't know that it means no anymore. and, it, and I mean? it doesn't to me yeah. it was just like but it's still it, another it was layer of it was just absurdity. absolutely it was just the Really? Here's that next ratcheting really? it up like, who one is more. The, it's just like who is this yes, person? Absolutely, absolutely. You know? So um, from the point of finding that information out, mm-hmm. then what in terms of the so well, once I started finding things out, so so that was in January. I really started realizing like I don't trust this person. Yeah. Like this is this is not someone I know. This is not someone I knew at all. I started realizing like. I have no idea who I was married to. Right. The person I thought I knew better than anyone else in the world. I didn't know at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a stupid person, mm-hmm. you know, but did that affect your relationships with other people at that time? Did you, did, or was you just, no. was your distrust focused solely on him? No, it was solely on sometimes him. Sometimes that happens too, right? It, it does. And I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> what my therapist said to me when I started dating again, but, um, but no, I, I guess I was lucky enough to have had like, even though some of the guys I dated weren't the best. I mean, no one was a sociopath like yeah. him, but, but I, my dad was always such a good role model to me and I love my dad and I always had good guy friends you know mm-hmm, so I had mm-hmm. good guys in my life I never yeah. was like I hate guys that's, I guess that's how bad, I feel I know? never had that when I had gr- these guys know when I had gr- girlfriends and through life who would just be like you know, I hate guys I hate men these guys are assholes guys. I'm like guys like, aren't some assholes are, I guess but I, exactly you know, I never yeah. took it like the whole genders that's good you know yeah um I actually love guys you know me too yeah um but anyway, and also women are capable of like incredible duplicity oh and all that kind of God. stuff. Oh my God! And and the kind of manipulation women are are it, it blows my mind sometimes. It, yeah. it, I'm 
I have a, I have a second grader and I just see like in terms of girl relationships at Ooh, that sure. age, I'm like, it's pretty early on. Holy moly. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So when I, when I, um, found that out at that point, I think it became really clear to me. Like, I don't know who he is. He's been lying to me constantly. And if I don't know who he is, I don't know what he's capable of. And I think for the first time in my life, because I'm a pretty emotional person, I think my saving grace when I found the child porn is it was such a shock to my system and it affects something that affected or could potentially affect my daughter mm-hmm. and other kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there was just a part of me that at that point, but especially afterward, it's like, you need to know who you're dealing with. You need mm-hmm. to know who your enemy is. Mm-hmm. Kind of like keep your friends close and your enemies mm-hmm. closer. And I felt like for the first time in my life, I was really strategic, you know? And I felt like he always thought I was just as cute, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, mm-hmm. you know, dingy wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he always thought I, you know, I am a little spacey. I can be a little spacey. But he just, you know, was under the impression he was with someone that would never mm-hmm. leave him or turn against him. Mm-hmm. And that was good. Because that's how I was able to get more and more information from him was because he thought I was his ally. Mm. So he started disclosing more stuff to me. And then uh, basically what happened was um, my therapist suggested. So I knew at that point I wasn't going to stay, but he couldn't know I wasn't going to stay. So basically for about nine months, I was living with the enemy, living with someone who was the enemy. Mm. And every cell in my body was screaming. And like you said, I couldn't tell a lot of people because I couldn't do anything that extreme yet. I needed to know if my daughter was in danger. So I had told three of my good friends. And um, one thing that, because he, my ex, wanted to really work things out. So his therapist, I guess his whole MO was, I'm just a sex addict. I'm just a sex addict. So what his therapist did is said, okay, if you're just a sex addict, you need to give your wife a full disclosure. And in the disclosure, you have to say everyone you've ever slept with, whether or not you use protection, what lie you told to be able to do that, how much money you spent. Ooh, wow. And I think there was another one. And um, so my therapist told me, she said, you know, I said, you know what? I don't even care who he was sleeping with. I'm not going to stay with him at this point, but I need to know if he's a danger to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so she told me, she said, okay, get the disclosure from him and then ask him to take a lie detector test after. Oh, wow. To make sure the disclosure was accurate Mm -hmm. and nothing was omitted. Mm -hmm. So he came home one day and I said, this was in in June, and I knew he was going to take the lie, the um, not lie detector test. The disclosure was set for August. So I told him, I said, okay, I need you to um, take a lie detector test after the disclosure to make sure nothing's omitted. And he flipped out. He's like, how can you not trust me? (laughs) You're treating me like a criminal. How can you do this to me? I hate your therapist. She's a man-eating bitch. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what I need from you. And he kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And I remember at that point, I hated him so much. I would be lying in bed next to him at night and I couldn't go to sleep and I would like leave the bed. So poisonous. And I remember just being like, God, like give me some clarity. I need to know when to make the next step. I can't deal with this anymore. It's killing me. I'm dying. I'm dying. I need to get out of here, but I, I need to get the end. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Like show me what the next step is. Mm -hmm. And I'm not someone who's, 
you know, I, I mean, I do believe in the magic of the universe. Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's that religious, but I do believe that, I, I guess my life has shown me in an AA and, it, you know, it's a very spiritual program is that, I don't know. I do. I have think a you connection. get out of it what you put into it. You, you know get out of I mean? it what that's you put a, into that's it. That's the relationship. And a lot of times, I don't have. put into it until I'm like, you sure. know, and that's very normal. And it's very normal. Very normal. But I did. I'm like, I need clarity. Just show me clarity. I need clarity. I don't know what the next step is. Show me clarity. And then the next day, or not the next day, a couple weeks later, I got a call, and it was the day before my birthday, from his therapist, and we drove down there together, and. and um, he said, she said, did he tell you why I called you both in here today? And I said, no. And um, she said, I called you both in here because there are some red flags having to do with your daughter. Oh, no. Oh, and no. he admitted to me that he had gotten erections around her a couple oh. of times. Once when um, she was, she was um, in a bath and then another time when she was sitting on his lap. And he said this is why he was nervous to take a lie detector test because he thinks certain things might be misconstrued. So I scheduled one for him to take the day after tomorrow and if he fails that Child Protective Services would be called. And at that moment, it really... I just Well, I just burst into tears. I mean, I was just... It, it, it's like there was somehow a disconnect that even though I knew the child porn was bad, that he could ever actually get aroused by an actual child. But one thing does lead to another. You don't just Mm -hmm. jack off to child porn and children aren't at risk. And that's why they say that even someone who like the definition of a pedophile is someone who gets aroused by kids. Right. So if they look at kids pictures and gets aroused, they're a pedophile. You know, a lot of people think a pedophile isn't, is only someone who does something to kids, and that's wrong. That's inaccurate. Someone who gets aroused by kids because things lead to another. Right. One step leads to another. Right. And it became very clear to me when I saw that. It didn't before. I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize, like, the depth of it. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I'm, I'm with a pedophile. And it was so crazy. Like, there was one thing I forgot to tell you, and I'm going to bring it up because of something the therapist said. So after I found out all this stuff, I'm backtracking a little bit. He, you know, I told you he never felt apologetic, never felt anything, always felt entitled. He came home one day and he said, Lisa, I feel really disrespected when I come home and you don't fold the laundry. Hmm. And I said, well, I feel really disrespected when you view child porn and you take it up the ass. (laughs) It's like apples and fucking Godzilla, you know? Yeah. So at this point, I'm bursting into tears and the therap- his therapist said to me, is there something you'd, you'd like me to tell him hmm. until he takes the lie detector because he's taking it the day after tomorrow? And I said, yeah, don't leave me alone about the fucking laundry. Hmm. And he said, I guess I just have to sit here and take it, don't I? Oh, my God. And his therapist looked at him and said, oh, my God, you really don't feel any remorse, do you? And he goes, no, no, no. Of course I feel remorse, you know? And it, it was so apparent to me. Yeah, like, he really it was like so created. Scary. A, he, he put himself into the victim role so quickly. So if, easily. Or if not just already living in that place. So easily. And the next day, this was one of the most surreal. This whole experience was surreal. The, oh, well, that night. So I, we leave there. And we drove there together. And he doesn't say anything. And we're driving back together. And I'm... 
It was the most unbelievable thing. And then I remember I, I took my daughter and I called my friend Debbie. And she's a friend I didn't tell anything to because she was also friends with my mm. ex. And mm-hmm. that's how I met him, mm-hmm. met her. But we became really good friends. And I said, um, will, you, will you meet me in Venice? I need to be by the water. So I took my daughter and we drove to the water. And, you know, luckily my daughter was only, you know, a year and a half at the time and couldn't talk and couldn't understand things. And it was so surreal. We went, we went to the sidewalk cafe and I remember we were like looking out and I was telling her everything and there was a man outside on guitar and he was playing hallelujah. Hmm. Hallelujah. And I was just like, oh my God. And then Mm. there was like this homeless man who had no teeth and long hair and his mm. gut was hanging out and he was riding a unicycle around and he was trying <laughs> to balance a plastic Venice. water bottle on his head and I was like oh my god like this is my life like <laughs> this is my life mm. what happened in my life and then the next day was my birthday <laughs> and we had had plans to go to Disneyland <laughs> <laughs> it is those those huge dichotomies of like the things that seem the most absurd when you're it like, was so abs- I mean the- that's that's the thing it was like so absurd so and and I remember like I was a zombie and and we were planning to go to Disneyland with my daughter and I knew the next day he was taking the lie detectors but I couldn't I didn't even know what to do so I was like okay let's just go to Disneyland but but I go I go he got up before I did and he left a card on the kitchen table for me this is how crazy these people are and he wrote um to my beautiful wife We've got the most amazing relationship. You're my partner. We're such a great team. We have such a great life together. I love you so much. And I remember reading this and just realizing, like, does he, does he, does he really believe this? I really think he believes these things. And then we go to Disneyland. And Do you look back and go, like, I cannot believe that we went to Disneyland? No, I actually can. Yeah. Because I was in such shock, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be anywhere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't want to be in my body. Mm-hmm. I needed to do something for my daughter. Mm-hmm. I thought, at least she'll enjoy Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what to do with my ex. I knew I was going to leave him, but I had to figure out how to do that, and I didn't want to make a big deal out of it because I didn't want him to do something, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize mm-hmm. I didn't. So I was like, let's just go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So the worst thing about going to Disneyland on your birthday is that you have to wear a name tag because you get in free. <laughs> That's right. And everyone says happy and birthday And everyone to you. says happy birthday. And it was the most surreal day of my life. I was just walking around and, happy birthday, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Snow White. Oh, you know, God. It was just oh. the most surreal thing. All these Disney characters are coming toward me. I felt like I was a Stepford wife because I had to keep it together. Sure. And I just had this smile glued sure. on my face. And then... That's just not a normal way to have to exist in the world and, oh, and we don't know how to do that it was it was that way and especially when you're an emotional person yeah i mean from the time i was a kid if i ever had something i needed to tell someone and i wouldn't tell them i'd get a sore throat mm-hmm. my body I can totally relate to that my back if i feel like i'm not like standing up for myself or or it's like so literal i remember Me going too. to see someone and they were and it was like a healer or whatever because i would go to a doctor and they'd be like mm, did you go were you in an accident you know and i was was like no and she was like well that's your spine like that's what holds you up so if you feel like you're not being true to yourself and you're not protecting yourself and taking care of yourself your back's gonna go out and it's i was like completely. why don't you go fuck yourself i don't want that to be true at but all it's so true yeah. it's so true and i was always like that since i was a kid and um and so 
I remember I was just like, this is the only way you can keep it together right now and you have to keep it together for your daughter. So the next day, it's, it's so funny the things you do. It's like, I remember the next day he had the lie detector test scheduled and I took Veronica and I called my hairdresser and I'm like, can, can you blow dry my hair? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just want to look really... I just have to have nice hair today. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And I remember like I told him what was happening and he started crying. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's going to yeah. be okay. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So, and, I, and then I went over to my friend's house. Um, My friend, Jason, he's one of my closest friends and he's a writer and, and he had like a big writing deadline with something, but he's, he took the time and we, we went on a walk and I remember we were just, like talking about life and stuff. And I remember this is so nice. Like we don't really take the time <laughs> to just talk we about do this just more. Like, go to the park and talk about it. And then I got the call from my husband and he said he failed the lie detector test. <sighs> and I remember it was just the most like, uh, and he called me and he's like, he was crying. Mm-hmm. He said, I failed the lie detector test. <laughs> that lie detector guy was trying to set me up. I have to go away to a treatment center. I swear I didn't do anything. And I just said, I don't want you coming home tonight. And then I took my baby and we went to my friend's house. And um, yeah, my life just, just completely changed forever. And then he came by that night and he was like banging on the door. Oh God. And he calls me and he's like, it was so surreal. He goes, I went to the movies to see the new Harry Potter. <laughs> And then I snuck into Bruno and I tried to sneak into Harry Potter one more time. <laughs> so but they surreal. kicked me out. What a weird through line of just like absurd it life check-in. Like life check in is. with like this just, is what's going on in life. It was so crazy. And then I remember like having to tell my parents mm. who thought he was such a great guy and they had just gotten home from work. It was a Friday night. And I left my baby at my friend's house and I call him up and I'm like, um, and they both work so much. And I'm like, Hey, uh, can I come over for a little bit? And they're like, is everything okay? Is, are you know, your family coming with you? And I was like, Oh no, I'm just coming alone. Is everything okay? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. I just need to tell you a couple things. Mm. And, oh, that was so intense. I remember telling my mom and my dad and my poor dad, you know, his eyes, just the look in his eyes. And then, my mom, who's always like, take care of business. We got to take care of business. Got to take care of business. And it was so interesting. She, she looked at me. And one of the first things she said is like, he put you at risk for all sorts of diseases. And it was so funny because that was such an afterthought to me. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, I'm her baby. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter's my baby. Mm-hmm. Like I'm her baby too. And he did this to her baby, Absolutely. you know? And now Absolutely. being a mom, like I get it. Yeah. You know, I was like... Like she was worried about her baby when I, I I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah. You know, it was like nothing could trump the child porn. Nothing could trump fucking with my daughter. Yeah. So anyway, uh, kicked him out of the house and turned the computer into the police. It was, Mm. it was such a a kind of crazy thing that, I mean, Mm. it's a long, long process, but, um, 
he, long story short, the computer said it would take them up to, the police said it would take them up to a few months to go through it. So they're like, when he gets back in from this place he had to go to, you have to continue supervised visits and he still needs to think you can get back together with him while oh, we get the information. no. Yeah. Oh. For another like, for another like six months. I had to um, oh, continue God. it. And then he wanted Lisa. to know where the computer was because he kept saying, I need you to hide the computer so when I get back, I can destroy right, it. And right. I'm like, okay, you know. And then when he gets uh, back, where's like the computer? a double agent. Yeah, I, I know. That, that, and that I'm, like, I'm like, oh, the, my attorney said she needed it. You're such an idiot. She's not going to give it to the police. No, she promised she won't give it to the police. Finally, you get to play it to again. It's like <laughs> no. your your ability to play the, the dingbat that yeah. he is trusting you will be. Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, so then there was this whole thing. So then I remember at first it was just, you know, in AA, they say one day at a time. I'm sure you've heard that slogan. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like one moment at a time. And I don't think I could have kept it together if it wasn't for my daughter. And I remember just wanting to watch preschool television, inundating myself with preschool TV constantly. Well, it's that, it is that sort of sense of like, is there, is there a way for me to, yeah, connect to something that is so far removed from the the place that I'm in? It's the fairy tale. It's the hope. It's the, it's the life is, life is good. Life is pure. Life is innocent. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I remember kind of getting my mojo back. And I'm like, I'm ready to start dating. I'm ready to start dating again. I hadn't been on a date in over a decade, and I'm ready to start dating again. And I told my therapist this, and she said, how can you ever trust men again, Lisa? Oh, no. She did. She goes, after what you've been through, how could you trust men again? And Uh I said, you know what? I said, I don't have a problem with men. Yeah. Good for you. I love men. Good for you. And I said, what are the odds of something like this happening well, again? I mean, that's fair. You know, it's yeah. like in the world, according to Garp, where the plane flies through the window yeah. and you're like, we'll take it. We'll, yeah, exactly. I'm like, so someone's going to cheat on me with a woman? Yeah. You know, if that's the least of my worries? Yeah. Um, so I started dating again and, and starting to feel more like myself. And, and I remember at first being like, okay, I'm going to have to tell guys I'm a single mom whose ex is a pedophile, but I'm going to do it right away. Mm-hmm. So if they have a problem, I'll know sooner than later. Well, especially having lived in that place of concealing or of having to, you know, all of that kind well, of, I imagine. Such a big thing at this point, mm. it was like, I hated not speaking. I was Absolutely. like, it's not my dirty secret. It's not my daughter's dirty secret. Absolutely. And I'm not going to keep this fucking dirty secret. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not owning it. She's not owning it. Yeah. We're not owning it. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. You know, and it's not ours. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I don't love it, but I, no, I, I but support it was that a hundred percent. It's strong to yeah, me. Yeah. So then, um, so then that started going well. And then in the midst of this, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. <laughs> I say laughing. It is. No, it's so funny. I remember when I found out I had breast cancer, I had a few of my girlfriends over, like a week before I was needed a double mastectomy, and my friend who's a nurse, she's like, you're really lucky, Lisa. You have an angel watching over you. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm yeah. like, what, the angel of like child porn and cancer? <laughs> I think I want yeah. a new angel, uh-huh. you know? And she's like, no, but Lisa, with both these things, you found them out at the earliest possible moment because mm-hmm. it could have gotten really bad. And yeah. in retrospect, that she is, was that, right. That, that's absolutely true. Again, it you kind know? of goes into those two columns we were talking about. It's like you can, you can choose to see your life as your ex-husband did, apparently as a sociopath to see himself as a victim. Yeah. But, you know, you can sort of look at 
look at things that way or look at things as how much worse could it have gotten and how grateful am, am I that yeah. they didn't? And I think that's the difference between it's like when we don't know the answers and if we're not specifically religious in a like, oh, I was raised Catholic and I believe exactly. God's plan and all that. If it's more ambiguous than that, then the which best most choice, is, which I exactly think. doesn't, at it least becomes like, is the, isn't, isn't the better choice to survive to be optimistic isn't the better choice to for survival to say thank god it yeah. wasn't worse and i want to look you ahead. know what it's 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 so funny like when i look at my life and how things have worked out you know i look at it even when i was pregnant what if i found out when i was pregnant yeah i would have been really depressed when i was pregnant that could have affected my daughter mm-hmm. i didn't know what it was like to be a mom at least when i found out i had a good pregnancy I got being a mom. And, and what nine if you months found old, out before you even got pregnant well, and you never know, had your daughter? I know, exactly. And she's the biggest yeah, blessing in my life. Yeah. And, and and she got me through it. Yeah. You know, it's like... it's like, and it, you, and it was a situation in which, like you said, you, like when you experienced that with your mom and the, how, how she looked at it, it's like you were already in a place of putting someone else before you. And so that removed yes. some of this betrayal of it the did, stuff. It did. It, it didn't even, it didn't even affect me. No. And it's so interesting. And, and, um, and, and so, yeah, so, so, so you got breast cancer. I got breast cancer. <laughs> Thank you. Both breasts? Both. Bre- well, Wonderful. it was in one breast. Okay. Um, but they, they, they recommend that you They recommended a, yeah. a single mastectomy. Oh, they did. Okay. And I said, I want a double. I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. Nothing can take me down. <laughs> take mm-hmm. them both out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to raise my daughter. No one else is raising my daughter but yeah. me. Yeah. And, um, I got them both out. And, and it, it's so funny, like what gets you through things at, at this point, I kind of felt like if I'm able to go out and date, maybe my life isn't broken. Mm-hmm. So right after I even went to a dating event with drainage tubes still in wow. from my surgery yeah, because I was so determined. I mean, at first I, my reason for dating was. I want to find my Prince Charming. I want to find the guy who's going to rescue me and my daughter mm-hmm. and save mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And then slowly that disillusionment went away. But it really, it's almost like when your life is so low and it can't get any lower, your level of honesty and your level of what have I got to lose, Absolutely. there's a certain kind of freedom to it. Absolutely. You know, so I felt like for me dating, I mean, seriously, on a first date, I'd be like, look, here's the deal. I'm a single mom. My ex is a pedophile. I just lost my breasts. I don't have nipples yet. I'll probably get them in the next year. I got these scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're okay with that, you know, let's, I just want to get it out in the open. <laughs> I think it's great. And it was so funny because it also makes you realize when you get things out in the open, how it, it creates the whole level of conversation changes. It's, Absolutely. It's, there's no small talk. Yeah. I completely lost my ability for yeah. small talk. Yeah. Just psh, yeah. went out the window. But, um, but it was such a, such a, um, a liberating experience, which was so funny. Because- well, that's what I think is interesting too, is because here you were, you were, the exhaustion of going through all of that is very real. And the reality of any person, you know, you're not necessarily like this expectation that it's the whole courage thing, right? It's like the whole idea that you're, that courage equals no fear. And that's not real. The courage no. is pushing through the fear. It's the same thing with, like, I would imagine, um, being in a position where you were rescuing yourself, you kept having to rescue yourself I was, and I you did. were tired and rather than 
than being like, and I love it. I'm sure there is like what a huge part of us is like, I'd love to not be going through this alone. Or I would love to know that I have a partner the next time. I don't want to have to keep doing this by myself. I can, but God, I don't want to. Yeah. You know? And at first I don't think I knew if I can. Mm -hmm. Like it it was kind of like I I was on... I was on a mission, Mm -hmm. you know, at first it's like dating became a job. And then when I got my cancer, um, and after my double mastectomy, my daughter started spending the weekends with my parents because I couldn't, um, I couldn't lift. I lost a lot of my mobility. Mm -hmm. So I had help with her during the week, but then I was still compromised. Mm -hmm. So when she was staying at my parents and my dad became like a father to mm-hmm. her, you know, she calls him her papa. Mm-hmm. Um, when this was happening, I did all my dating on the weekend. So I was like obsessed. I mean, I would book dates for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, like always, I was just on a mission. And, and it's funny, like, you know, in, in retrospect, you can say why you were like that or why you did that or why, but when you're doing it, it was just, like people are like, why did you just want to date so much? Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like this is what I need. I need this more than I need therapy. Mm-hmm. I need, I need to find. I I need to find it goodness in men. I need to like. Mm-hmm. I need to know. It's funny. It's like I need to know who I am in these situations. Who's Absolutely. the kind of guy I would choose now? Not who I thought I was, but who am I now? Right. And so much of that discovery happened with the dating. And the thing that was most amazing to me is, I, you know, I was so nervous. Like when, when the doctor first, before I had my double and he showed me like what it's going to look like. And he's like, isn't this nice? And I was like, no, there's scars. Like, it's not just a boob job. This is different. Yeah. And he's like, Men aren't going to care. And I was like, oh, really? Men aren't going to care? Do you know my situation? I already have to say I'm a single mom whose ex is a pedophile. And now I have to say I don't have breasts. You really think guys aren't going to care? But at that point, I was like, what do I got to lose? Can my life get any lower? No. You know? And I like people. I think that's my thing too. I'm fascinated well, no, by I think people. That makes sense. I mean, I, I, it all really does make sense to me because there is, again, this sort of pushing past something. It's like, you know, when I had a fairly serious bike accident, I, I many people have since said to me, "You're crazy. Why did you do that?" But like the night I got home from the hospital, I wrapped like a t-shirt <laughs> over my giant split chin and my chipped teeth. And got and sore, covered in like black bruises all over my body. I rode my bike for twenty minutes in my neighborhood at night, so no one could see me, like with a basically a pillow on my chin in case anything happened that it couldn't get worse. Because I had to not be afraid. I yeah. had to not be afraid of the thing that had caused this. And I think that so that's why it resonates with it me was. is this it's idea so of you know I'm not going to let this stop me from trusting people I'm not going to let this stop me from liking people from interacting with people and from presenting myself to people I don't know saying guess what I have this this and this and I'm still out here so what the fuck are you going to do about it you know exactly. I think that's really you know I like that it was and it, and it's and it, what was so interesting to me is like I talked to other young women who who've gone through this who were like I'm so afraid to take off my top and like show people my scars and I and, you know, and I get like letters from people over the country, like read different articles about me, my situation. And they're like, I'm so ashamed. Like you made me laugh at least like you gave me hope. And, and I don't know if I could do it though. And I was like, honestly, you have to accept it in your first, mm-hmm. in yourself first before mm-hmm. anyone else can. I think the thing that I went through was I was so nervous before. And then when I looked down, I remember when I first saw what was 
where my breasts once were after the surgery. I was so afraid to look. I didn't look for three days. Oh, and a friend sure. of mine was there. And she noticed, like, whenever the doctor would come by, I'd turn my head. And mm-hmm. she's like, just look, Lisa. They don't look as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. And I looked down, and I think I had in my mind how bad they were going to look. And I was like, huh, this isn't too bad. Like, yeah. all right, all right. They're like, and and it's so funny because they don't really feel like they're a part of you yet. So you're like, you can look at them kind of objectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, okay, they're like these two little ant uh-huh. got these lines going across. But yeah. it's not that bad. It's yeah. not that bad. And then um, it, that was such a freeing experience. And then I think the first guy I was with in my new state, um, when I told him I didn't, I didn't have nipples, I'm like, I'm just like Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a very familiar, iconic image exactly. that we all know what to wrap our heads around. And I'm like, and many people are very attracted to Barbie. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's the only way I'm like Barbie. So uh-huh. <laughs> use it to your advantage. Uh, You're a yeah. five foot two redheaded, yeah. green eyed Jewish girl. Mm-hmm. You're not like Barbie. <laughs> Except for this one. Except this one way. Yeah. yeah. So, and I remember the first time I I did the reveal, you know, to show a guy I was sleeping with my new breasts. And and he said, you know what's so sexy about you? It's how comfortable you are in your body. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me because I'm a kid who grew up with eating disorders. I'm a yeah. kid who was like bulimic, anorexic, all this stuff. And any little cellulite, any little this, any little that. And... And I'm like, now I have these things that are impossible to hide. Yeah. I have to give a disclosure. I got scars and no nipples, okay? Yeah. Here's the deal. I don't want you to freak out when I take off my top. I'm just going to prepare you, which yeah. is what I did with everybody. Yeah. And the thing that was so crazy was that they didn't care. And it was so freeing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you think a little cellulite's going to get me down? Yeah. It's like, I don't have nipples. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah. It's like it's like everything is out in the open, yeah. and you own it. Yeah. And it's like you don't care anymore. Yeah. And um, it was such an eye opening experience. Like it was a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Like I love men. It was such a beautiful reaffirming experience. Yeah. Because as women, we're so much more critical of our bodies than men are. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's a. It's really crazy how that is gets where it gets implanted and how it gets perpetuated and how early it gets and when you really look at the like like the person that you think you're worried about is not a problem so what are you worried about exactly you know what i mean i think that's very compelling and it's particularly challenging when you're in this business but um it is god it i is. this is uh, this is an uh, this is uh, unprecedented of course because now i've talked to you for an hour about stuff that has nothing to do with your teenage years and you just dropped the uh eating disorder bomb on me uh-huh. um I, what i want to say um just to resolve this piece of it so that i can ask you some questions about that time um sure. uh is that you are happily married i'm happily married um uh, j- just to give you a recap of everything my ex, there was a sentencing hearing. He's a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. I just got married. My ex just got his rights taken away. And my husband just adopted my daughter. Oh, that's so On great. August 17th. Congratulations. The first day before second grade started. Oh, my gosh. And we are a new family. That's, and and mm. she's so happy to have a daddy and a wonderful daddy and yeah. a daddy who loves her more than anything. And I met him on my dating spree with... No nipples, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and 
Such a good guy. Yeah. Amazing. That's so great. And also, I think, uh, side note, I think in terms of counting your blessings amidst all of this crazy stuff that's happening, uh, it sounds like it's pretty cool that your parents were nearby and together, you know? They were. A lot of us don't um, have that. Yeah. I'm very lucky, and I've got the best parents. Unfortunately, my dad passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease two oh, years your ago. Mama. It was it was brutal. It was brutal. Oh, but I'm you, you had know. such a great relationship with him, though. You know, oh, to, the best to walk like, away like my with dad. That for both of you. I, I mean, that's what I said. Is eulogy? I'm like, I honestly don't have anything bad I could say about him. You know, it's like he was so good. That's lovely. And I feel like I have a husband who really has that integrity. And that, that goodness, like he's just so good and yeah. has character, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I do, I feel, I feel very blessed. Yeah. Well, so I, I love this relationship with your, with your father. I think that's what, mm-hmm. um, gets pointed to a lot when we as younger people go through stuff. I remember that was like something that kept getting pressed at me when I was starting therapy and stuff. And when I was going through all my shit, which, Honestly, I'm not going to waste your time with, but you can listen to some of my old episodes and you'll be like, interesting. Uh, but I, I, I felt like that was kind of thrown at me a lot, especially with young women. It's like, how can I blame the dad? Like, that's how I felt at times. Right. When I was seeing there and there were there, like there were a couple of, of doctors that I saw uh, that like were unwilling to let that go. And I was like, you, you need to push past this. I have a wonderful mm-hmm. relationship with my father. Whatever's going on in my brain chemistry or relationship with my mom or blah, 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 mm-hmm. or this thing that happened to me from that a stranger did, like whatever that like, like don't, but I do feel like that's something that gets called up because it's very Freudian and people like people yeah. who are sort of schooled in that way want to find a way to like, well, you pick this guy because of your dad exactly. or you because of your dad. It's like, that's just not how it is all the time. Not even often. I, I, you know what I, I mean? completely agree. Cause and we're a social group. We're living in this whole, I don't know. Anyway, I, I completely agree because I mean, I never, and until my husband right now, I never picked yeah. good guys. And my dad was such a great guy. Yeah. And I don't know what it was in me that was attracted to people that were so opposite of my dad, you yeah. know, but it was until, you know, this time around. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. Do you, um, when you were here, were you mm-hmm. interested in theater pretty early on? I was always, I think because, well, I was very shy mm-hmm. and um, I always felt different. And I think it was a way for me, like it was more comfortable for me to play other people than to be myself or it yeah. was more comfortable for me to lose myself in somebody else. Sure. And it was at first, you know, mm-hmm. and then it was a way of meeting people who were more kind of similar minded I guess especially if you're an emotional or you kid. F- that's yeah a, and you it's feel a very like, safe place to go when yeah you, you feel like you're you're you yeah, yeah yeah it's like a way to connect mm-hmm. and do you, you have know? siblings I do have a sibling I have uh-huh. a brother okay older yeah. or younger? O- uh, younger okay younger and then and and so uh, oh my god this is so, I mean it's so, it seems absurd for me to be like and so when did you become a believer like that's I don't know how <gasps> oh that, I talk but, very openly yeah. about it but, it, but in terms of like it's we're just jumping around so much but um but when did that manifest itself oh uh, god well you know it's funny and I love my mom to death I love mm-hmm. my mom okay because it sounds to but, me like as a person who got sober at 21 it sounds to me I like did everything kind of early person as I am too yes. I started very early with stuff like that uh with drugs and stuff like that um and a lot of it really was had nothing 
anything to do with the way my parents treated me or I just my system was my system was different all the time I and yeah you wanted me too. To, there's a control that's well like, there's a way me, I wanted how just, do I control this or how do I not control this but control not controlling it or like however. I used to it's funny I did a show and this was a show I had a development deal with when all this went down called the monster under my bed drank my vodka and basically um from the time I was a kid, I talked about like how I always wanted to check out. And when I was in kindergarten, I mean, it's so early and you never know, like, I'm like, why did I do that? It was so weird, you know, but it made so much sense to me at the time. I remember my mom would drop me off in front of the kindergarten door and I would run down to the bottom of the hill and I would walk to class, but I would take these little baby steps mm. because I would tell myself, well, you're still going to class. You're just going to be like an hour late. Mm. And I would take these baby steps. I just like, for whatever reason, I didn't want to be where I was. Mm-hmm. And it was always so easy for me to kind of like check out and daydream mm-hmm. and like, and it, it was so weird. And from the time I was like, when I was in, in, you know, first grade, second grade, I used to, my dad was a doctor and I used to fake having coughs. So he would give me cough syrup, you know, yeah. and the good cough syrup, the one with Cody, mm-hmm. not like the yeah. know, yucky yuck stuff. Yeah. Um, so I always had that ability and my mom was always obsessed with her weight. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget because she told me once when, when I was a little girl that when she was like, 14 or 15, she went out on a date and the guy said to her, you're very pretty, but you should probably just lose some weight. And she carried that with her and it completely transferred to me. And to this day, that is, and certainly there's an example of something that can be very direct. It can be so direct from your parents and is, and can be so not from your parents. Oh, and to this day, to this day. And like I said, I love my mom dearly. But to this day, she she weighs herself like twice a day. My mm. mom's like a machine, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. So I remember when I was growing up, um, and you know, you get like your the little bag of Doritos in your lunch, or the little bag of, like I, I knew my little bag of Doritos had eighty calories. You know, like in first or second grade, like I remember looking at my calories. I remember skipping breakfast because mm. I was like, I remember like what like my weight in like third and fourth grade. And I was like glad that my weight was like little and like my best friend's weight was a lot more than like, I remember these things and Mm -hmm. I was like, Jesus, like Mm -hmm. my daughter has no concept of this. And I make sure she has no concept of this. Like even when I want to lose weight, I'm just like, I just want to get more healthy. I don't use that. I want to lose weight because I don't want her to grow up with this. So I started becoming bulimic in like sixth grade. Mm. Was when it started. <laughs> it's so hard to, because I think about what I was going through and I think about what people I care about and people I'm meeting. Like, just to think about, because for me, I project back and in a weird way, I'm still like myself as an adult, kind of I in a weird too. way, like in that place. And then when you see a picture of that kid, I it's know. like, oh my God. It's so, it's, <gasps> it's, I was a baby. I know you, because you, you're you, a baby. Uh, yeah, I was. But when you're that age, you don't, of course, of think course you're a not. baby. Of course not. And I remember, so I used to do these things and I used to, I started, um, so I wouldn't eat basically every day that week. And then one day a week I'd eat everything I wanted to eat that whole week. And I'd have until midnight to eat. And I'd make a list of like everything I wanted to eat that whole week. So I'd have to make myself eat it. And then I throw it up after. So that's kind of when it started. And then during the week, I would have like, <sighs> I'd cut up a lemon and I'd put equal on it and I'd suck on lemons. I, I'd 
see how many calories my trident sugar-free gum had. Yeah. I was drinking coffee in like sixth grade and I'd add like, you know, and, and I was just, yeah. And then I, I was really, I talk about this on my first show, but I, I, um, I was always really into to music, so I had my favorite song to throw up to. Oh, honey. Which was Billy Joel, She's Always a Woman to Me. Oh, no. And I'd always oh. wait for the part where he'd go, oh, she takes care of herself. Oh, God. Lisa, and then come I'd on. Do You're it. breaking my heart. <laughs> I was just, I don't know. It was like... I remember even at that well, age it's just ritual. thinking like, Look, you come it's up with ritual. Rituals. Which by the way, there were versions of that. I mean, anybody who listens to my podcast on a regular basis knows that I, what has worked best for me in terms of how I feel about food, because it's an issue for me too, right. is to do the sort of like really responsible and then one meal that's a cheat. Me like too. at the, you know, and I know, and I've said like, I got to be really careful with that because for me, it's about the freedom to just go, I don't have to count calories. I don't have to think Me about it. Too. Fuck it. I can do it and feel great about it, but I have to feel great about it because if I'm not going to feel great about oh it, if I'm going to eat to the point of sickness, there's something going on there that I have to look at and go uh, back off. I dude. still, I that's a behavior that's leaning into danger. You know what I mean? Like finding that balance and exercising those muscles in that I sense. I still it's do very it important. because there's a part of me that's like, well, if I have to have boundaries with something, then what's the point? Yeah. You know? So like if I'm going to eat chocolate chip cookies, which is my my favorite that's dessert how I, feel. I mean that's what I, I'm like, like I just I won't eat, eat all week I, or all gonna, day right well I, <laughs> no, I, no. I guess the thing is, is like it is if you recognize the 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 abuse of tendency if you if it is like I can't have one drink you know that's exactly. not how I am with alcohol at all like right. I don't really drink but if I have a glass of wine, I'm like, oh, that's I don't need any more like right, indigestion right. than that or whatever. And some people don't can't do that. But for me, you know, because of, because it's sugar for me, if I'm going to have sugar, I know that I want to have the permission to overdo it. Me too. Not to the point of sickness, but to the point of I don't have to worry that I just ate five cookies because I'm not going to eat five cookies the rest of the week. I'm me just gonna, too. You know what I'm saying? Me too. I'm and the I think same that's way. It, but it is that sort of thing where you have to like I have to, you have to I have to look at it and it. keep a check on it or you know and that's sort of what the that whole like four hour body or whatever it is him saying you know if you can if you can maintain this and feel good about yourself and then have that opportunity to go like i'm a kid i'm going crazy and then the next day you wake up and yeah. you're like i'm glad i don't do that every day i don't want to do that every day exactly that's sort of a way to keep it in check but it is it's very tricky it's tricky especially if you come from that past it's you know? tricky it's like the all or nothing thing i remember the first time i ate like a dessert in front of my husband he like looked at me and he goes, "Oh my god, your eyes are dilating." Oh my god, I totally like with get sugar. It. And he's like, "I think it's very common for women." I That's think part so of the too. Reason that this thing perpetuates itself is the actual physiological. Like it's I can't so have true. just straight sugar anymore. I would get. I don't so even sick. like straight sugar. For me, it's it's usually baked things, and it's usually mm. when it's hot, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like hot chocolate chip cookie pie, mm -hmm. yeah, or hot chocolate chip cookie. It's so funny. I actually had a dream about you last night. You did. I That's did. So funny. I had a dream that I was here. It was so random. And it was just me, you, and Howard Stern. Howard Stern sure, was here too, sure, and we I'm were sorry, all Howard eating chocolate chip cookies. That is so funny, isn't that funny? Howard it was Stern. so like random. That's so it was funny. just like the three of us were just sitting here eating chocolate I chip cookies, I and I was it. like, "This is fun. That's amazing. It's my cheat day. That's amazing." <laughs> I can really relate to. It. Listen, Sunday's mine. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, it, here's the thing: I want to get into this mash game because that is how I finish out sure. um, uh, the episode, and I. I want you to know that the question I always ask sure. somewhere in this game is, um, well, I'm going to start with it for you because we're just talking about it, uh, is that three foods that you 
could have in, in this imaginary world in perpetuity at the snap of a finger uh, that has no physical ramifications. This We're just living... This oh, is the yeah. checking out. Yeah, this yeah, game yeah, right yeah, here yeah, is yeah, your yeah, opportunity yeah. to just check out for 10 minutes. I love it. On the show. I love it. In, in an undamaging way. It's just like, be a kid. Imagine that. What what three things do you wish you okay, could just the have? The first like, thing, my number one, hot chocolate chip cookies out of I the love oven. It. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. God, I can just conjure that smell. Now, I have a question. Like... Mm. it. If I say like hot chocolate bundt cake with chocolate chips, is that like a separate thing or is it still under the same kind of... I can put this in the same category. In the same category. I can say warm baked goods is okay. this category. With chocolate if you chips. It's the chocolate with chip chocolate thing. chips. Yeah. If you want Lots of chocolate it. chips. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you have two other things that are slightly different from that, I, okay. that then yeah, yeah, I feel very okay. comfortable letting you use that category. Um. Okay, so then I'll put two uh, two others in the same category mm-hmm. again that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, fresh hot pizza and fresh hot bread. Great. Bread, like out of the oven. I'm just a sucker for when yeah. something's hot and out of the oven. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, like so fresh hot pizza and fresh I love it. Hot. Okay, and my third, they kind of go together, uh-huh. so I guess mm-hmm. I could use them together, mm-hmm. is um, a cheeseburger and french fries. Great, great, cheeseburger, great, 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 Cheeseburger, french great. fries. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, with pickles. With pickles. And cheddar cheese. I was just yeah. listening to one of my favorite Love podcasts pickles. and someone was going off on how much they hate pickles. And I thought, I'm so happy that I like pickled things because that's one thing that actually is so good for you. Like all the probiotics. Like I eat so much. Really? Like, Are pickles? Fancy. Especially, well, I eat, and if I don't know if you've gone down this road, if you want to be, uh, have less pickles and less salt and more. Uh, I'm, well, that's can. why, that's what I'm asking well, about. Well, I eat this the... like, and guys, I haven't brought up my obsession with this particular kind of sauerkraut before. <laughs> there is, there's like, at Whole Foods, there's this kind of artisanal um, kind of pickled probiotic, like different, they pickle different things and like, yeah. And it's probiotic? I, one, pickled it, probiotic? Yeah, because there's natural probiotics. Like, it's like having like a version of yogurt or something. A lot of probiotics exist in pickled stuff. Uh-huh. And so that's why I like pickled, like pickled cabbage is really good for you because it has this kind of probiotic. See, I just thought the cabbage was, I didn't know the pickling part no, of it. No, it's the pickling process. Oh, that's it's so pickling process. I'll show it to you when I'm interesting, done. Interesting, My, it, This one has um, like a, a rame and ginger and seaweed. Ooh, and so it's this kind yummy. of Japanese flavor and I will put it on anything. Like I, I just love, love it. it. Yeah. I love so that's it. one like thing that's actually stuff. good for me that in my mind I like, like pickle oh, stuff. God, I'll I like to, that. I'll have to take a picture of it. I'm going to show you. Don't you even worry. Okay, next one is, as long as we're in the checkout process, uh, three imaginary worlds that you can go into and enjoy, whether it's like a film, you know, um, but there, but it's real. So it can be as uh, imaginary as Narnia or it can just be like, I wish I could go hang out with... I don't know who and what movie, but in New York, like the New York of blank movie. Right, Do you know what I'm right. Okay, well, the one that I always just my eyes just go huh, is um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I know. Get in line, and I love, I love that. I love that world. I love the look, like when they walk into the room yeah. and the chocolate fountain, and they just see everything, and it's just so. I know the whole that whole process so of them all tasting something when he's. Singing. And I love when he sings, yeah. "Come with me." Yeah, that song makes me cry. Me too. And we'll be. Yeah, don't ever show your daughter the second one with Johnny Depp. No, I won't. Ever. I won't. I haven't even seen it. Yeah, I, I won't saw see it, it. with like someone's purist. daughter because they were. It was like my movie with my childhood friend, and he yes. was like, "I'm going to take my daughter to see it." So like, and then we saw it, and we were like, "Oh God, what a huge mistake!" No, I yeah. really. So the mistake. first, first I've Willy wiped Wonka. It from my memory. Great. First Willy Wonka for sure. Great, love it. 
there's a part of me, I was really into Mad Men. So there's a part of me that sure. just like loves that, like oh, yeah. the 1950s kind of like, I love the, and if I was able to, there's a part of me that still gets so drawn to the drinking and the smoking. Sure. Well, this is know? an imaginary world. And it's an imaginary where, world. Yeah. So if yeah, I could yeah, just yeah. drink and smoke and like that no and wear some of those outfits mm-hmm. and. I totally get it. You know? I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, that's I great. like that's that great. world. And then I think a very solar kind of universal moon star kind of world. It's like, like, like seeing the world through my daughter's eyes mm, and the world like gorgeous. she creates because she, Oh, I, love I mean, from the that. time she was like, um, two years old or three years old, no, like two, two and a half. She's like, mommy, I found the moon. I found the moon again. Like she loves the moon and the stars. The moon and the stars are everything to her. And so I get to appreciate like the moon and the stars. And she even said to me once, she's like, you know, mommy, she goes, I used to be with the moon and the stars. And then I decided to come down into your tummy to be with you. So she's very like, so I love that like link in. And whenever Mm -hmm. I look at the moon and the stars and also the ocean, Mm -hmm. I'm like that with the ocean, but I like the ocean when it's dark Mm -hmm. and and just like hearing it and just the vastness of it Mm -hmm. and the losing yourself, yourself in it and mountains and trees, like lots of mountains and trees, but like the moon and the stars and just like this world with my daughter that she creates and through her eyes, I want to be a part of. That's gorgeous. Yeah. I also want to go there and I haven't met your daughter. Is that creepy? Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Next category is, uh, listen, this is a perennial classic. All due respect to your wonderful husband, whose <laughs> virtues you just extolled right. uh, ad infinitum. This is, this is a fantasy world. It can be um, someone you just want to like ride on a train with and have sex with once. Uh, or it can be someone that is like your, you know, alternate universe husband, but it's Paul Newman when he's, 30 you know what oh, i'm saying so God. you can go anytime any person i guess ideally it's someone we know and you who said is. paul newman when he was 30 you know oh I mean? you just like toss that guy in there god we so you can go to. anywhere with with you that. know be- i have this picture of marlon brando mm-hmm. when it was like streetcar named desire picture right and just that that kind of raw animalistic yeah. masculinity with the with that boyish kind mm-hmm. of like and this I, is I a just, relationship where you don't actually yeah. have to be with that person because you yeah. know you'd rather be with your no, husband and but he, like to and have that sort of he didn't look too end. good at the end <laughs> <laughs> granted um, granted i i you know um i love the character of don draper mm-hmm. great so i'm in there you're not alone and well, I feel like you're making good use of this because these are all people that you wouldn't choose to be with them. Yes, life. This exactly. is just like the perfect, this is like all the good and none of the bad. Yes, of the exactly. Mm-hmm. Completely. It's great. And then there's, gosh, this is hard. Oh, I know there's someone I'm forgetting. And I like, when I see him, I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember who that is. Mm-hmm. My husband would actually know who that I is. I wonder if that's an w- amazing question to ask him. What uh, is it? Do you mean that they, he comes up like he's a contemporary bl- versus like somebody from the older times? Yeah, yeah, he's a contemporary. Well, I'll tell you who uh, my last guest, Roy Osmansky, named two of the people because I uh, embrace that and they feel like they kind of come in here. But she mentioned uh, Idris Elba. Oh. And uh, Clive Owen. Those were Clive good. Owen is someone I've thought of that smoldering as well. sort of. Yeah, the Clive yeah. Owen. 
Yeah, I had a British boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That accent, me and my mm-hmm. me and my friend used to listen to him over and over again mm-hmm. on the answering machine. <laughs> totally. We're like, this is like, I dated a Scottish love. guy, same thing. I realized now I had no interest in him beyond his me accent. Me too, I'm just Poor like, thing. just talk. Yeah, yeah. Just Do you want me to put him down? No. no, because you feel him. You know you what it is? You know what's funny? There. I have like a crush in a different way. I like to think of it as my more intellectual mm-hmm. side on John Stewart. Oh, sure. Because I, mean, I think he he's so this list before. funny he's and he's just like so smart, absolutely. smart and funny. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one is uh, three places in the world that it would be fun to have a vacation home. Okay. And they could be places I've never been to. Mm-hmm. Totally. You totally, know? totally. Italy. Great. I don't know where in Italy, but somewhere in you Italy. You kind of can't go wrong. Yeah. Italy. So Italy. I love Italy. Spain. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this just came to me, but I don't even know anything about it. But I'm just going to say it. But yeah. I don't think it's where I really want to go. The Ozark. Oh, you know what? It's I just like came to me. I'm like the Ozark, I, and I'm like, what is the Ozark? I'm not even sure. Well, I know the Ozark. Mountains it's cold, are, right? No, oh no the the Ozark Mountains are in the United States. Oh, they um, are. But that, but it's it's really funny because that's like what people think of when they think of like hillbillies. And then I've talked to people who are like, oh no, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. But if that's not what you mean, I meant to like, like, the, like the I Arctic don't know or something. Maybe yeah. it was just like a word that came to me, so I thought I'd just I gotta go tell with you, it. I'm real. In, I'm real into the idea of you having like. A, here's why, <laughs> because what you described about the mountains and there's no ocean, but the mountains and the trees I and seeing being able to see the stars so clearly because mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the wilderness. That mm-hmm. is what I. That's what the Ozarks are like. Oh, it's like really? A that's so funny. Mountain range. Um, and I didn't very even. Undiscovered. I didn't even know that. Well, listen, we're gonna throw that right in. There's there. a lot I don't right. know. Yeah, but you could and have a beautiful one of those cabin things. up there. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, next one, let's say, um, oh boy, this is a very dark, uh, interpretation of what you were talking about with having your throw up song. And I mean that with love, Thank um, you. because I have to make fun of the things that are upsetting <laughs> for me in my life. So I assume you do the same since we have this I show do, that people absolutely. should go see, uh, uh, is what, um, three songs that you wish, uh, that you're like, oh, you didn't know that was written about me. It is. Oh God! Or fo- written for me, for or like me, or... I was with that. But like, oh, you didn't know that I inspired. I was Joni Mitchell's best friend, and she actually wrote blah 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 <laughs> when we were hanging out. I wrote most of the lyrics. Okay, what I'm trying to think. It's always songs that I used to cry to. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of the songs I used to cry to. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a song um, that Ben Fold sings mm-hmm. that is um, that I know he wrote for his wife. Mm-hmm. Not in this world. And then they got divorced. But I am, I am, I am the luckiest. And it it just talks about how like what, I don't know, it's just such a beautiful song. And and whenever I heard that, I was like, I want to meet someone who. Great. I mean, he did write that song about Uh me. There you go. Well, yeah, there you go. Duh. Easy peasy. And then I understand there were two other songs that inspired by you. Um, well, of course, I like you just the way you are. Great, great, great. Every great. guy sings that to me. Great. And I said, you know, BJ wrote that mm-hmm. with me in mind, not <laughs> Christy Brinkley. That's right. Of course. That's right. And, um, hmm. This is hard. I know. I really throw a lot of stuff at you. I know. I'm trying to think because I really take these things seriously Like, because I love music. I have a little cough and I wonder if your dad could give me some of his special cough syrup. I wish you were still around (coughs) to do that. I, I wish I wish being a doctor's daughter I could write prescriptions. 
<laughs> it's not inherited. You no. don't inherit his prescription pad and license. I don't. Away? I don't. It's a shame. My dad's laughing at me right now. Uh, um. Okay. What? Oh God. Okay. I'm a sucker for musicals. And speaking of my dad, um, the first musical, my favorite musical is The Fantastics. Oh, I've never seen it. You're not the first person to bring Uh, that up. And I'm annoyed that I haven't seen it. I love The Fantastics. And there's this song that's called They Were You. Mm -hmm. And um, the... The guy and the girl sing it to each other at the end. Adorable. It's so beautiful. I love it. I love it. Great it's choices. Gorgeous. Great choices. Um, okay, next one will be... Uh, I've been doing this one lately. A, a wonderful listener suggested it to me. It is... Um, and you can kind of take it into the abstract if you need to. And I don't even know if that makes sense, but you're here in a second. If you could have <clears throat> three items from when you were younger mm-hmm. and it could be like a little toy plush toy I that you know, missed but it could also just be like I had the most killer crimping iron I've never found once you know what I mean like just things that were iconic to you when you were younger okay I had this um little mini mouse mm-hmm. it was like a, a rubber kind of thing that my dad gave me probably when I was probably in kindergarten mm-hmm. and um, when my parents were separated which they never told me but I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I just didn't see dad that often mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I lost that. And I just remember being so devastated. It was this little pink rubber Minnie Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what this category is for. So that. And um, I had this stuffed animal, like a lamb whose name was Amanda. Oh, Amanda. And my dad gave me that too. Oh, <laughs> I love this. It's a lamb. And Amanda, I used to like, I used to hold so tightly around the neck so her neck, (laughs) her neck was loose, her neck like always swayed. She had no stuffing stuffing in her neck anymore. And then she finally like broke. And then like when I went away to college, I came back and Amanda was gone. Amanda. Amanda was gone. God, that's great. And um, Mm. trying to think of a third thing. Those two just came like right mm-hmm. up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm just sitting here silently thinking about anything for me. I too, know. I'm trying like, to think like those two were just so strong. Yeah. For those me. precious little talisman kind of things. I feel like I, yeah. I feel and, like I, and the, and speaking of the fantastics, my dad had, um, a record of the fantastic. Oh, great. And that was one of his first records. And he took my mom on a first date or second date to the Fantastics. One of their first dates, they went there. Amazing. And then he took me when I was five too. So it's like, so something having to do with the Fantastics. I got to get into the the Fantastics. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Okay, here's, okay, last, uh, second to last category will be, um, imagine that you can uh, magically add a room on to your current house. Okay. And it can be anything. It can be wildly imaginative. It can be some, uh, someone, said uh, like a the bubble room in oh and Willy Wonka where they go or it could just be like I wish I had a room for uh, like a like a greenhouse or something like that but just imagine that there's no problem with space uh and it's it can go as wild as you want or as simple as you want I would have a room that's like a planetarium. Mm, so love it. Have you I, taken your daughter to the planetarium, by the way? I haven't. You yet. guys got to get I have up to. there. Oh, yes. It's you know lovely. what? Yes, I did. But she was it's, super, super yeah, young. Yeah, she probably doesn't. Um, 
So I would have like, so there'd be like no roof at all, Mm -hmm. but this like, like um, a dome kind of where you see like the stars and the moon and you see everything. And then there's telescopes all around there. I love it. And then there's like couches and beds, and then it can open like a sun. Oh my gosh, you would never leave that room. Too, no, I'd would never you. leave that That's room. That's gorgeous. Now I need two more. I don't know how you're going to top that. Oh, I need two more. Yeah, because it's a. Sp- oh, I get uh, three. It's three, and then I'm going to do a process of elimination at the end, and oh, I'll I tell get you like three. you got this, you got this. Okay, you got this, okay, you got this. okay, okay, okay. Um, Okay, so then I'd have like my forest room. Mm, Love it. With all different kinds of trees. Love it. God, I love it. And then I'd have my soft and cuddly room where Mm -hmm. everything in there is like cushions and soft tactile. My big tactile room. And it's really, really bright. I love it. And it's this is the best use of the additional room I've ever seen. <laughs> You've definitely won. Uh, and then last one is let's do. Let me think about this. Um, let's do maybe like a like a like a like a career in the alternate universe, like something that it, for whatever reason it's not like you would necessarily want to do it here, but maybe, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in this alternate universe, you you have this other thing that you're able to do, whether it's you own a business or you right. teach or, you know, whatever. I always I Great. always tell people like one thing I, I want to do, but I, you can't make any money doing it is be a cat watcher. Amazing. Because I just love watching my cats. And I couldn't love this more. What they're going to do next. Yeah. But can't really make a good living doing that. I agree. Yet. That. Yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love this. In this world. You're very wealthy because you're a cat yeah, watcher. Yeah, yeah. You just like watch your cats. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely something with kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's pretty... I just like hanging out with kids, but I don't... It would be a job where you kind of just get to play with them and mm-hmm. hang out with them, but you you don't really have like really bratty kids and you don't yeah. really have to discipline them. You're just like a buddy. And you're just kind of like a buddy. Play buddy. And you could just do things together and uh, just like agreed. hang with kids. Like like in a total like playroom mm-hmm. kind of environment. I love it. And the third one I think would have to do with kids too, like being a, a kid's coach or something. Oh, sure. Not like a sports coach, but like a coach and making them feel good about mm-hmm. themselves or self-esteem like self-esteem building, self-esteem building, like something with kids and, and, um, self-esteem. I love it. Oh, I have just the thing I need to talk to you about. Have you ever heard of the art of Elysium? No, it's a great organization here and they always need, um, volunteers even for just like an hour to like play with kids in the waiting room of a children's oh, hospital. I would, I would or, totally do that. Uh, uh, yeah, I got we'll some, talk I gotta after. tell you about it. We'll You're talk gonna love after. it because that's my like that's what this is. Um okay and then this because this is a mash game old school style I just need you to uh tell me when to stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. Okay. And I'm gonna pause this uh and when I come back I'm gonna reveal your one hundred percent guaranteed mash future. Exciting. I got some real good news for you. Oh, good. Now, listen, I'm going to get the, I'm going to tear the bandaid <laughs> off right away <clears throat> because, oh, uh, no. you, you know, oh, mansion, no. apartment, shack and house is what MASH stands for. Mansion, apartment, shack and house. Okay. You did get a shack. Okay. Where but the shack is in Italy. 
All right, I can deal. So my feeling is, you know, it might be on like the coast, and you know, it's just a sort of little place you go into. I'll, I'll deal with the shack on the Amalfi Coast. The Amalfi Coast. There you that go. That sounds perfect. It's fine. It's fine. You don't want some huge house no, that you never no, leave because no. you've got to be a, out there in the world. Just a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 square foot say, shack. Wait a minute. I think if you're on the Amalfi Coast, that is considered yeah, a shack. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, it then also surprises me not at all that at the snap of a finger, without any physical ramifications, you can have all the hot baked bread and pizza, pasta. Oh, Listen, you're in Italy. It, it's perfect. It's Italy. Perfect. It's perfect. perfect. And it doesn't surprise me that you're sharing it with uh, smoldering Marlon Brando. That also <laughs> feels very right. Like you guys have like these big passionate Did fights you ever in see Italy last in tango, last tango There you go. It's like last tango on a no, coast. But no butter. No but butter. No butter. But no butter. No butter. Uh, you have, in addition, and by the way, yes, you have this quote unquote shack, but we both know that you have room for your planetarium room. <laughs> So your daughter's going to be just fine. Uh, I think you, I, this is technically almost cheating because it's not an extra room, but I, there's got to be some place for you to have, to do all your cat watching for people. Uh, I, I agree. So that's a thing. Uh, that's I love just that a you're given a though, watcher. isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's true, but you did get it. Technically. Um, also, if you just need a break from all of this uh, marvelousness and you want to get into a different world, uh, you can <laughs> pop into Mad Men and just... Oh, be have a as chic as you drink. desire. I love that. Um, and then when you get uh, lonely and you want to come back, uh, there are two things that will make you feel right at home again. Number one, listening to the song about you from the Fantastics, They Were Aww. You, and hugging your um, lamb, Amanda. Aww. So I think this turned out pretty great. I'm so happy. Pretty great. Where can people find you? And uh, when can they see you? And they how can, can they see you? They can see my show. Oh, come see Dating in LA with No Nipples. It's very, very literal, guys. You don't it's, have to wonder very what literal. is the show about. I actually about. went on over... Well, 71st dates altogether, but 50 under reconstruction. And that's Amazing. how I met my husband. Amazing. Um, yes, you can You can go on Dating in LA with No Nipples.com. <laughs> So and you can get taken? tickets Fair. there. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and I got dating in LA with no nipples. Dot net. Dot, dot I got them. Dot all everything. Yeah, because I know everyone's going to want to take right. dating in That's LA right. with no Better nipples. Better safe than sorry. And uh, or lisakatedavid.com and lisakatedavid.com. Yeah, also and you can available. get the information. But yes, it's running um, every Wednesday starting October seventh for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Wonderful. And my last night, which is November 11th, is going to be a benefit for Stand Up to Cancer. Awesome. Guys, is there anything, can people do anything if they, I mean, I do have listeners all across the world, so someone in, you know, Sweden probably can't come to your show. Is there anything that they can do or be a part of? Like, they donate They uh, can. They can or? give me money. Great. They can, I'll take donations. Okay, I'll take great. money. Um, they should just, you know, fly out for a couple days to okay, see the great. show. I'm fair. sure it's it's That's worth a fair it. Demand. It's, it's a worth fair it. Request. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. Especially if you're in Sweden. You know what I mean? It can get a little away depressing from that horrible there. country. Yeah. Only yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> this has been amazing. And thank you for sharing all of Absolutely. those things. I, I definitely get a lot of letters from um people who have really gone through a lot and I know that this will be um very comforting and, well, and I, I funny also, and warm for, you know, people who are going through it now. I'm glad. I'm I'm really glad. I mean that's Two of the reasons, I mean, well, there's so many reasons I want to tell my story, but one of the things I'm starting to do too, and I want to do more of, so if someone who's listening to this uh, feels like it would be a good match, I'm, I'm starting to do speaking engagements for different women's and children's shelters. Love it. And then also That's for terrific. breast cancer awareness 
places because there's so many women who are afraid to take off their tops. Yeah. And it's, it's my experience was amazing. And if I can help out however I can. And I think um, that's so wonderful. I want to. It's so inspiring. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you, JB. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, guys, uh, talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.